The Bible reading this morning will be from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I'll keep, I'll keep it up here, David. I'll keep it up here. Good morning, everybody. Thanks, Mitch, for the reading. Next week is Easter, Good Friday, 9 o'clock. be a one-hour service. We're going to have the Lord's Supper together. Please come if you can and be encouraged. Easter Sunday it will be a special Sunday next week. We're going to have a... I'll put up the slide now if we can. The garden, the curtain and the cross. We're going to have a very family-friendly time next Sunday. Not only will we have at least Justin being baptised and I'm hoping some others... Um, but we're going to have a very family-friendly time. The kids will be with us the whole of Easter Sunday. If you would like to invite someone next Sunday and you would like them to hear about Jesus, but in a gentle way, not in a confronting way, just by seeing people being baptised and saying, saying why they want to be baptised, it's, it's, it's a great message. And because we'll be having this particularly family-friendly, family-orientated presentation of the Easter story, the Bible story, it would be a great time to invite friends and if they come, I can promise you they'll hear the basic message of the gospel in the Lord Jesus. And they'll hear it in a very non-confronting way. So next Sunday, if you can, invite your friends. And it's an easier invite. Why don't you come to, me, to church with me on Easter Sunday? Because that's what people often do. Or that's what people might feel more inclined to do. Next Sunday, if you can, invite your friends. We will have, God willing, a wonderful and encouraging time together. As we look at the garden, the curtain and the cross. Let me pray before I get to today's message. Father, help me to speak truthfully and well in a way that's faithful to your word and help us to be motivated to serve you as your people. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as David mentioned, we've recently adopted a new church vision for the next five years and the first aspect of that church vision is that we want to be a healthy church, which is not saying a lot, is it? And it's perhaps a bit strange to have that in a vision because when you're healthy, I'm feeling relatively healthy at the moment. Well, you're just being what you are. You're not doing anything particular. It's just normal. When you're healthy, it's normal. Now, if you're not healthy, well, being healthy, is, oh, it's a hope, it's a longing. In one sense, it's a vision if you're sick. But for the healthy person, there's not a lot of vision in being healthy. It's just being well, are we as a church unwell? Are we sick? Or well, perhaps to some measure all of us aren't as healthy as we could be, but I think we're in a measure of health. So then what sort of goals do you set if you want to be healthy? 
Well, the sort of goals you might set, you might, well, I'm going to eat well and I'm going to get enough sleep and I'm going to do enough exercise and I'd better go to the doctor and have a check-up and make sure I don't do anything stupid so that I don't fall off any ladders or whatever. Then I will be healthy. And it helps if you don't get older too, but that's another topic. How does a church remain healthy? Well, what we need to do is focus on our relationship with God in the Lord Jesus Christ And it means a bit like eating and drinking and sleeping and going to the doctor. We need to keep going back to the Word of God for food. We need to keep praying. We need the Holy Spirit's presence. We need to be open to that. We need to work at unity. We need to be serving one another in love. We need to be worshipping together, seeking to do God's will if we want to be healthy. Now, that's a big, long list of things. So what we've decided as a church, because we want to be healthy and we want to focus on that, we want to every year have a particular theme related to church health and focus on that for this year and then change it the year after and change it the year after. It's a little bit like saying, I'm going to get healthy. My theme for this year in being healthy is I'm going to eat well. I'm going to watch my diet. And next year I might focus on exercising well. Well, our theme for this year, for 2016, to encourage church health is that we are exiles fit for mission. Does that make sense to you or is it a bit cryptic? What does that mean? Well, this morning I want to unpack that phrase with the help of one Peter, of which we had a bit read to us just earlier by Mitch. In particular, we're going to focus on one verse, which is kind of a theme verse for this year of exiles fit for mission. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Oh, I've got 8 up there. That's a mistake. It's 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a people of God's possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That is our theme verse. That is what you are, church. That's what you are as a believer. You know, if you want to be healthy, one of the important things is you need to have a feel good about yourself. You need to feel healthy. And an important part of feeling good about yourself is having a healthy self-esteem. And so we as church, we as Christians need to have a healthy and a righteous sense of self-esteem, who we are. Do you feel special? Do you feel valuable? You know, you should, because you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people of God's possession that God owns, that you belong to him. How special is that? What an honour to be such people. We should hold our heads high. Because you see, we're not honoured by having been given a medal or an award or by being given a promotion or by being designated a title like sir or... We are honoured by being included as children in God's family. We've been given a new citizenship into a new kingdom, God's kingdom. We've been given a radical change in Christ Jesus for good. Peter tells us this, praise be, in chapter 1 verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we've been given an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us. That is special. That's our privilege. Chapter 1, verse 23. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. You've been given new birth, a new life. Chapter 2, verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You're God's people. This is so good. 
So how's your self-esteem? As a believer, as part of God's church, it should be sky high because you are loved by the maker of the universe and chosen by him as his special people. So what of our theme? Exiles fit for mission. Here's a definition of exiles from the Dictionary of Biblical Theology. Exile, in a Bible type of terms, is the experience of pain and suffering that results from the knowledge that there is a home where one belongs, yet for the present one is unable to return there. It's that suffering. I've got a home but I can't get there. I don't belong. So special, you exiles. Such honour for these exiles. You have a new identity. You have new citizenship. Just like the Syrian refugees living in Lebanon. You lucky dogs. Just like those asylum seekers on Manus Island. How great. A week or so ago there was a a, a bit of a, a riot. Uh, one side of that riot seems to have been Sudanese refugees or the children of Sudanese refugees who have arrived in Australia and they just feel so much like they belong. They feel so secure in their citizenship in Australia or their standing in Australia that they, like many, many refugees who come to Australia, at least their children, they go off the rails and they riot because they do not belong. They feel it and so they identify and they form gangs and they're against everybody and everything because they don't belong, because they're kind of exiles. It is hard to be in exile. It is hard to be in a place which is not your home longing to go home or you just don't feel like you fit. You are a stranger, you are an alien, you are a sojourner. How inspiring to be a Syrian refugee. So how are we exiles? When Peter tells us we're such special chosen people, royal priesthood, God's people, God's citizens, God's family. Well, here is the thing. It's not a tension, it's just a reality. Everyone who is in Christ Jesus is an exile. It's part of our identity. The Lord Jesus Christ has called us out of this fallen world and he has forgiven us and restored us and he's poured his Holy Spirit into us to renew us. We have been chosen, we have been called, we are now owned by God, we've been set apart to be holy, we are distinct We are this royal priesthood in the world. We're serving and representing God. We are a holy nation. We're set apart. We're different. We belong to another nation. We are a nation within the nations. God's nation within the nations. We belong not here but to God. And so in this world we do not quite fit because this world is not home. And for a while we are unable to return back to God's kingdom in its fullness. And so there is this pain, there is this misfit, there is this longing that should be in every believer's heart. And Peter recognises this. He writes this letter, 1 Peter, to churches in Asia Minor, or what we today call Turkey. Scattered all over Asia Minor. Yeah, you start a letter, to my good friend, let's say Philip, You know, I remember when we were at school together, blah, blah, blah. How does Peter start his letter? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, God's chosen ones, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. We are strangers. We are sojourners. 
We've been called to a new way of living in chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. You're going to stand apart. Chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you, look at this, as aliens and strangers in the world, as people who don't quite belong, I urge you (coughs) to abstain from sinful desires which war against your souls. Live such good lives among the pagans that the people you're living with, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's like what Paul wrote to the Philippians, but in a different way. So Peter writes about strangers, aliens, exiles. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians about citizenship. He says in Philippians chapter 3, I've often told you before and now say again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Excuse me. We belong to God's kingdom. In this world we are strangers and aliens and we stand out, we're distinct. Is it really like this that we are so different? Is it really like this that coming to know Jesus makes us stand out, makes us different to the world that we live in? Well, I think it is. It should be. I'm going to invite Rebecca and Binesh to join me because I'm going to interview them, Rebecca and Binesh Rahi, two beautiful, beautiful people. And if you haven't met them, you'll meet them now and you can say hello to them after because these are lovely, lovely people. You're all lovely people. (laughs) I'm going to get you to share that. Happy New Year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hello what? to everyone. Today actually is a Persian New Year, uh, 3.30 afternoon. 3.30 this afternoon is Persian yeah, New Year. Yeah. What's yeah. it called? Uh, Nuruz. Nuruz. Nuruz means New Year. Happy New Year, Ibrahim. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my name is Rebecca. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, then and my name is Binesh. Okay, let I'm me ask you, sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. How, I'm talking about exiles. You're from Iran. How long have you been in Australia? Binesh, how long have you been in Australia? 20 months, yes. 20 months. So not very long. Do you feel like an exile? Do you feel like, a bit, do you, feel like you fit in? Sort of. Not yet. No. Not, no. Yet. Not, not, yet. not yet. Okay, let me ask you this. Why did you come to Australia? Iran's mostly a Muslim country. Why did you come to Australia? And why are you at our church? Uh, I want to say I'm sorry, my English is not good, He's but fine. Uh, <laughs> my wife can uh, explain better than me. <laughs> <laughs> always, <laughs> always wife can t- <laughs> always ladies can talk better, of course, but not in English. <laughs> Tell us your story about how you landed in me. Australia, because it's a long story, and, and I think it, I think it came to know it was it's involved in coming to know Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, we came to Malaysia in uh, 2011. February and then we have been in uh, <laughs> Malaysia for three years and four months and then uh, UNHCR helped us came to Australia and they gave us home, they bought for us tickets, everything they so supported you, you us. you came as a refugee with yeah, the United refugee, Nations? Yeah, by PR, yeah, permanent resident. And uh, we are here by Jesus' grace. We are alive by Jesus' grace. If Jesus didn't help us and didn't save us maybe now, we, we are not alive. Yeah. And with even so many miracles he did in our lives, so many miracles. During difficulty time, during difficulty time, yeah, as you say, always, uh, sometimes, not always, sometimes, Christian people suffering. 
but we know we have to know Jesus is with us even in suffering time even in difficulty time Jesus brought us here safely but we had a lot of suffering in Iran in Malaysia but suffering yeah suffering because we became christian in Iran in a very very bad time uh, my my husband and i we wanted to divorce that time i was pregnant uh, uh, my younger son 6 months and then i waited for my son uh, born and then go and my husband also our life was very very we didn't have peace even a small peace we did nothing morning fight afternoon fight <laughs> night fight we didn't have peace one day my husband came home and gave me a small book just new testament and then put it in the table and said if you have time just read it i ignored the book after a few days night i couldn't sleep night i think 2 a.m or 1 a.m i came down and then i saw the book i said just a book that's just i just ignore it and then i saw it i ignored it again and tell time i said to myself go and read it just bring it what is this book i open it i saw the john i remember john and then i read 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 i didn't know time is going 2 hours i just read it because my soul really was thirsty and the book wasn't the normal book the book was for me living uh, living word do you know what i mean living word i can use that in my home i can this word can save me this word can bring can bring peace and everything can 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 be everything in my life everything new in my life so after one month reading the book reading and again and again and ask my christian question uh, my christian friend question after one month we gave our heart to jesus both of us one and month. then and then everything became new everything our life became new life that time we didn't know because we are just few days with few days baby but now i know that time actually holy spirit came to our life and everything became new my husband i love him again <laughs> <laughs> i said oh you are a new man <laughs> everything became new everything yeah and then uh, we couldn't we could stay in iran for two years one year and uh, i think one month can i wind you back I'll ask Benesh. So you became, you had a New Testament from a friend at work. You both read it. You both became believers, yes. reading the New Testament. How did people, did you tell people that you'd become a believer in Jesus and how did family or friends respond? <laughs> Your English is better than my English. <laughs> uh, my friend... Uh, was Kamran and uh, he was my workmate. He saw me and uh, gave me Bible, uh, New Testament. And uh, God helped him to uh, give a Bible to people. And sometimes he was in suffering a lot. Sometimes police wanted to catch him. But in grace of Jesus, Jesus uh, supported him. And yourselves, did you feel, did your family or your friends or the government oppose you when you became believers in Jesus? My family knew, but Binash family didn't know because we're scared to tell them. They are so straight Muslim. And then... uh, but our friend didn't know, just my family, my mom and my sisters and brother, and then my father yet. And then uh, slowly, slowly I told my father also, but he didn't know I believe Jesus as God. He said, I love Jesus also. Jesus is a dear prophet. He, didn't, he believed Jesus as a prophet, not as God. And then uh, my, my, young, my older son started to go to school. We just keep quiet. And then uh, continue to living in Iran. One day, my young, uh, older son starts to go to school. In Iran, uh, school starts seven years old. And then my problems also start. His teacher was a very, very straight Muslim. Very straight Muslim. I don't know, you know Shia or not. They call her Sayyid. Sayyid means generation of generation. His last generation is Muhammad. 
prophet Muhammad. And then he, she was very, she, she told me, your son doesn't want to learn namaz, your son doesn't want to learn Quran, why, 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 why? They start to teach people, teach kids, Quran and namaz and this and that. And then uh, one day, I didn't know, they were my older son, and now I'm proud of him, but that time, no. He, he wore his cross, and then his Bible, he has a small Bible just for kids, and then go to school. And then his teacher saw the Bible and the cross. And, Jesus, uh, and uh, uh, his teacher asked, why? You are believe Jesus? Do you believe Jesus? Are you are a Christian? And he said, yes, of course. <laughs> oh. And then his, uh, his uh, uh, principal, no, no principal, his head of teacher called me and said, come quickly and take your kids kid and go and police is coming to attack to your home. I just called Binesh, and then Binesh said, go to Kamran's house, because his wife is at home. I went to my, uh, my friend Kamran's house for three days. We didn't have passport that time, and God helped us to take passport by as a friend also. Binesh's father's cousin, his father's cousin, helped us to, take, uh, to get our passport, and then we came to Malaysia. Because Malaysia didn't need visa, and then we have, we have to we had to move Mal uh, Iran very quickly, and then we came to Malaysia with nothing, with nothing. I cried in the airport of Malaysia, and it's that time my my faith I I, I I love Jesus, but my faith very 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 low. Actually, I I can say to you I don't I didn't I didn't know Jesus very very by experience. I love Jesus in my heart, but I didn't know him by experience, living every day. And then uh, God uh, brought us to hotel. That hotel, I said to, I said to man, I didn't, we don't want this hotel. But one man in airport told us, no, this, uh, this hotel is good for you because you are poor people and uh, it's cheap. So we came to that hotel, and I said to Binesh, go with your children out. I want to cry, and I, want, I was very angry, because I lost everything. I, I know some, some of you maybe don't understand what I say, but it's a very painful, very painful. I lost my mom, I lost my sisters, my job, my everything, my everything. And then we came to Malaysia in a hotel. And then Binesh went out with kids, and I started to cry. And I prayed as a Jacob. I said, if you give me food, if you, if you support me, if you help me, you are my God forever. I know that prayer is, wasn't a good prayer. Uh, I know, but I was very sad. And, uh, but God was faithful. And he showed me his goodness. Midish came to hotel and said, oh, I find a church opposite of our hotel. We went to that hotel. Friday morning we arrived in uh, Malaysia. Sunday morning, we went to uh, church, and then they asked us, where are you, where are you from, and so this, and we explained for them our situation. They came to our hotel and brought everything to their to church, and they said to us, you can stay here just for one week, but we have been to church for nine months. <laughs> and then I tell you these things, I just want to say God is good. God, when God wants to bless us and heal us and help us, He doesn't see, He don't see how we are good. Actually, he's, by His grace, He helps us. He doesn't see how we are obey, how we good, how we, when we obey, when, when we don't obey, no. When He wants to bless us, He just sees Jesus. Jesus' obedience, Jesus' grace. He is good. He is good, and I'm, I'm sometimes, not sometimes, all of the time, I'm not worthy for his grace and for his love, but he is good. One more question, one last question. You've left home, which is Iran. Mm. You've left family and friends and everything you grew up with. Everything. With nothing. You spent... Three years, over three years as refugees yeah. in Malaysia, living in a church yeah. and not having even much of a home. Yeah. You're now in Australia, you've come to Australia, Rebecca, Binesh has now got work in Australia, mm. the boys are at school. Mm. Do you feel like you belong and where do you feel like you belong? If so, where? 
Do you feel like you belong anywhere? And if so, where? Uh, in this, in Malaysia and in Australia and in Iran, I understand. I understand. I don't belong to this world. We actually, this life is very short, and we need to go. Our ho- I belong to heaven. And sometimes my friend asks me, do you have citizen? I say, whatever, I have citizen or PR or whatever. I belong to my Lord, and my Lord is enough for me. We, we are comfortable in uh, Australia. My, uh, my children is going to Christian school. This, is, this was my desire to my kids go to Christian school. And God, even before we came to Australia, God provided for them a beautiful school in Riverstone. And uh, we belong to God. And then uh, we are okay in Australia. God used uh, this opportunity. We came from Malay- Iran to Malaysia and Iran- Malaysia to here. God used this opportunity to give me more, more and more. Not just furniture or just things. A lot of sisters and brothers in Christ. I lost my brother in, in Malaysia. He accidentally, he, by a car accident, he passed away. He just was 27 years old. And that time, Satan tried to steal my faith. But Jesus' grace, keep me. And uh, yeah, again, God is good. One more comment from Benesh, and we'll pray for you. Uh, I want to say something. Uh, when we were in Iran and we were Christian, we couldn't go to church uh, every week because it was very uh, dangerous. Maybe uh, one time per month. And uh, sometimes we, we wanted to see visit church in midnight, 11 p.m., 12 midnight, we go by car and uh, 30 minutes driving and we uh, stay in front of the door of church and we, uh, we saw the door of church, all of church and we pray and we sing and we uh, enjoy and worship. After 30 minutes we go back home. And uh, that time I uh, wish uh, to live in church. That's why you live in church. Tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> and God, and God do everything for people. Yeah. Even, even that uh, yeah. pray. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. You're right? Yeah. Father, we thank you so much for the work you've done in choosing Benesh and Rebecca, in calling them to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation and your people. We thank you for protecting them. We thank you for blessing them. We thank you for their faithfulness. And we ask that you continue to bless them, that they may be richly blessed as they belong in your family here, as they belong in your family all over the world. And we look forward, Lord, to our eternal home in your kingdom. We thank you for these in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good story, eh? Isn't God good that he heals a marriage that was on its last legs? As Rebecca said, uh, the youngest son was about to be born and she was out of there. As soon as the baby's born, I'm gone. And she meets Jesus and she loves her husband. And they go to church at midnight and sit outside the doors of a building, an empty building, and sing and pray. And look where they are today. Exiles, exiles who suffer, who can expect to suffer because they're not home, they're different, they've been set apart and they are opposed by those who are enemies of the cross of Christ and when everybody else around them says, be like us, they say, no, I will be like Jesus. When Everyone around them says, worship our God. They say, no, no, we will worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are exiles. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. 
but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Exiles. Just like the exiles in the Old Testament. Israel disobeyed God. The Babylonians came in judgment and they trashed Jerusalem and they took zoodles of people into exile to Babylon where they had to live and serve under Babylonian cap- in the Babylonian captivity. Like captives wanting to go home, back to the promises. And God said to them through the prophet Isaiah, Jeremiah, settle down, marry and bless the city where you live. You're going to live as exiles. You're going to be a blessing in this strange place. But know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and bless you. I haven't forgotten you and I'm going to bring you back. And I'm going to resettle you back in the promised land. And while you're there, you must live by faith. You must live as exiles, serving me. That's how we're to live. We're to live like Daniel. You know the story of Daniel? He served Nebuchadnezzar and other kings in government and yet was faithful to the Lord and was blessing the city and working for the prosperity of the city but always faithful to God. And even his faithfulness cost him as he was thrown into the lion's den. His friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who were faithful to the Lord, who would not bow down to the idols and were thrown into the fiery pit, yet God rescued them. Exile living. No compromise. We are different. We belong to God, yet we are a blessing. Even in exile. You know, God has a purpose for his mission people, for his exiles. It's all there in our theme verse. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're a chosen people. You know, you're like God's special forces, the elect for God's mission. You are a royal priesthood. You're representing God and his kingdom as his child. You are a holy nation. You've been set apart to be a blessing. You've been called to this new kingdom to be a blessing. You are a people who God owns. But you know, it's even more than those titles in our verse. You're all these things that you may declare the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. if we would just be who we are in Christ Jesus. That is our mission. If we would just be God's chosen people, to go back to Paul's letter to the Philippians again in chapter 2. Paul writes, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold forth the word of life. Shining like stars, pure and blameless, holding out the word of life. This is our mission. And so it is throughout 1 Peter. We're just encouraged to be who we are in Christ Jesus as obedient children. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. Chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Instead, live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds as you are just doing what you're doing and glorify God on the day he visits us. Rid yourself, Peter says, of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. 
Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted amongst men, whether the king as the supreme authority or governors who are sent by him. For it's God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover for evil. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. Be who you are in Christ. Be a blessing to the world. I said last Sunday night, be the best accountants. Be the best soccer mums. Be the best computer programmers. Be the best bus drivers. Be the best students. Be who you are. That's your mission. And in your sufferings, so it is that you actually fulfil your mission. Just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who honoured and brought glory to God through their faithfulness and through their suffering so that Nebuchadnezzar would say, Oh, that God is the God of heaven and earth. All praise and glory be to him. He sees it through Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's faithfulness and suffering. It's the way of the cross. It's sacrifice for others so that they might be blessed. Peter writes, If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. You see, there is no mission without sacrifice that you take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. And through that mission, through the shape of the cross, people will look and see the power of the cross. It's hard to think that through Banesh and Rebecca's suffering... But you've just experienced it as you've heard their story. Through Rebecca and Benesha's suffering, God is glorified as they have been faithful. Mission. Through their faithfulness to Jesus, through their praise of Jesus that he's saved me, he's changed me, he's given me his Holy Spirit. My marriage is healed. My life is healed. I have hope. Though I arrive in Malaysia with barely a cent to my name and nowhere to live for fear of what might happen if I go home. God is glorified. That is mission. It's integrity as a royal priesthood when our profession matches our practice and people notice. We shine even through rejection, even through opposition. We rejoice even through our trials. There's great realities, you see. You are God's elect. You are strangers in the world. You've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Hallelujah. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for God's possession that you might declare his praises. The praises of the great king who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Oh, praise Jesus. He called me out of darkness. Life was hopeless. You just heard the story. Life was empty. We fought morning, breakfast, lunch, dinner. That's what we did. That was our hobby. We hated each other. We hated our life. Praise God he's called me out of darkness into his marvellous light. Praise God. That is mission for exiles. Now imagine you've been called into God's special forces, that you're an exile. Imagine that you are a designated a royal priest, that you've been given a citizenship in heaven. You've got the certificate. You've got this promise of a homecoming. You're called to live by faith. You're called to declare the praises of the one who's called you into this unique, wonderful status. But you're so busy. You've got a, you know, you're busy sitting around watching TV 
checking out people's lives on Facebook, playing computer games, watching funny videos on YouTube. Oh, sure, you've put on a bit of weight. Oh, a bit lazy, but you know, life's good. You're not in such good health, but you know, life is untroubled other than that and you're fairly settled and you're comfortable and you've got nowhere to go and you've got nothing to do. Imagine that. You've been called into God's special forces. But you're a royal priest and you're watching YouTube videos all day and getting fat from KFC. That is not kingdom exile. That is belonging to this world. Our theme is exiles fit for mission. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people who God owns. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There should be a sense of urgency. There should be a sense of readiness, of expectancy. The time is short. And so it is in 1 Peter, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the patients that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and then glorify God on the day he visits us. Do you get the sense of fitness? Chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore... Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins and offer hospitality like that beautiful church in Malaysia. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And it goes on. Because this is a call to be fit. Chapter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And Satan will attack the weak and the unfit, just like a lion will go for the weak and unfit and unhealthy in the pack. Resist him by standing firm in the faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings as we heard today. We need to be fit. And so in our vision document, let me just read some paragraphs. Pennant Hills Baptist Church is in good health. God's Spirit is with us doing a work of restoration, transforming us ever more into the likeness of Jesus. We are fit. We are ready and willing to play our unique role within God's eternal mission. We do not fear change, nor the unknown, because we're like special forces. We don't fear change or the unknown. We're not afraid to live sacrificially and take godly risks for the kingdom. Above all, we fear and love God, and we live expectantly as exiles waiting for Jesus' return, the consummation of the kingdom and the renewal of all things. Isn't it great to be a Christian? We love to eat and drink together. We break bread with thanksgiving in our hearts for all that God has provided for us in his Son and we willingly hold each other accountable and seek to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So says our vision document in its healthy section. Because we want to be healthy. We want to be exiles fit for mission. And we're not there yet. We probably never will be this side of glory. But will you hold one another accountable? Will you seek to spur one another on to love and good deeds? It's like you're in boot camp. It's like we're in boot camp together, preparing as special forces, and you're doing this 20k hike. And it's getting weary. You say, come on, keep going. Come on, keep going. You spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Well, I wonder if you had the call up. 
That's perhaps the bigger question to ask you, even in the kingdom. Do you know how special, if you are in Christ, how you are? Do you have that self-esteem of being God's chosen person? Do you know what you've been called to if you do have that self-esteem of Jesus' person? You've been called to live as an exile in this world. And you have a purpose, you have a mission. Your mission is to declare God's praises by being who you are in Christ Jesus. By suffering as you are in Christ Jesus with joy. Are you fit? More question more of the question is really the question really is are we fit? Are we encouraging one another? And the question is when it comes to fitness, it is easy on December thirty one to say, I am not fit. I need to do something about it. It's very easy to say on December thirty one. January 1, the trick is, will you do something about it? And will you keep doing something about it because it's not enough to do it just on January 1? So there's our challenge. You can see it's a big challenge, isn't it? It's a big theme. Are we prepared to do something about it so that we might be exiles who are fit for mission? Let's ask for God's help. Dear Lord, we thank you for the great calling we have in Jesus. By your Holy Spirit, lay this truth in our hearts deeply set that we might not only recognise where we need to improve in you and grow in you, but that we might be prepared to take positive action, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds and to listen to one another and listen to your word that we might indeed be truly your exiles who are fit for your mission in this world. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.